Dear brothers and sisters, Salaamu Alaikum Warahmatullah. Uh, welcome to session four of Passionate Pages, where we're going through this awesome book, How to Pray a Good Prayer by His Eminence, Sheikh Agha Ali Raza Panahian. Um, we've gone through a few different sessions thus far that has kind of changed the way in which we see salah, prayer, how pivotal it is to us. And one of the most conclusive things that we've taken thus far from this book, I feel, has been salah isn't about what good does it give me in the short term. And a lot of what we've, sum the summary, I guess, from the first three sessions is that it's meant to leave you energetic and buoyant and therefore able to fulfill your potential in life. But primarily, it's to recognize the greatness of God. It's a God-centric prayer rather than a self-centric prayer. And this is what this session, inshallah, will build upon. Um, you'll notice we have a nice new background. Uh, but in addition to that, you'll also notice that we have an updated dress code. You must wear granddad collar next of course. in order to come. So Muhammad Jawad is allowed back in. Yeah. As I got your text. So you got like, <laughs> it needs to be done. <laughs> needs to be done. So we'll, we'll keep to that, uh, yeah. to that dress code. Um, and I think we said we're going to try and power through chapter two. Because yeah. uh, I think we, we've spent a bit of time. But as ever, if you do have any comments or anything that you would like to add to the discussion, dear viewers, um, jump on YouTube. Uh, Muhammad Jawad is keeping an eye on your interactions mm -hmm. and we found it massively beneficial when you have shared with us uh, some of the things that you've tried in your prayer, uh, your thoughts on what Sheikh has written, um, perhaps you have a different understanding to what we've picked up, um, hopefully not because I hope we're all on the same page, uh, <laughs> but please do share them via YouTube and Muhammad Jawad will jump right in. Yeah. Shall we do it? Yeah, let's inshallah. Amazing. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So last week we... Uh, we're concluded or we're halfway through this chapter on what kind of prayer is a good prayer. And we said this was split into three steps or subheadings. Firstly, correcting how we look at prayer, which is what we looked at massively last week. Mm. And then we started talking about the necessity of paying attention to God's greatness, that it is a moment where it's all about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we just began that last week. And inshallah, today we'll go into more detail on how critical it is in salah that we pay attention to God's greatness and thereafter, allowing God's greatness to then enter our hearts. And how indispensable that is to a successful, good prayer. Mm -hmm. So, we briefly mentioned this last week, but we'll just cover these two slides again. Uh, in Salah, we see that we're always focusing on God's greatness rather than anything else. It's Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And thereafter, Subhanallah. But fundamentally it is, we begin with Takbiratul Ihram of Allahu Akbar, rather than His Rahman, rather than his Rahim, but that does come after we've established or after we've reminded ourselves, I should say, mm. of Allah's greatness. Um, due to his greatness, therefore, we bow and prostrate accordingly. Why? Because prayer wants to teach us something. What is that? God's grandness or grandeur and his greatness. Mm -hmm. um, and we use this cool analogy, uh, well, Sheikh used this cool analogy, but we spoke about it last week, about the military. And we said last time, uh, you would obey your commander um, from right the way you join the military uh, through until you end. Because when it comes to that pivotal moment where they say, hey, go and run into the line of fire, you yourself will not then doubt their command at that point. They, uh, you know, you wouldn't need to, they wouldn't need to buy you gifts and presents in order to say, hey, here's all my mercy. Here's all my love. Here's all of this. Now will you listen to me? It doesn't work mm. that way. You show them respect due to the position that they have. And similarly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we recognize his greatness, his grandeur, 
and we don't just go, hey, give me stuff, give me stuff, give me stuff, and then I'll pray to you, mm. right? And that's something for us to correct. Um, and as a result, then, when we're faced with tricky moments in our day-to-day, things that we shouldn't look at, things we shouldn't say, things that we shouldn't eat, whatever, listen to, because we've recognized God's greatness already, we know the command in that moment is to go towards Allah, mm. not towards Shaytan and his, uh, and his tricks. So the discipline helps in allowing the greatness of Allah to enter our hearts, recognizing the greatness of our Lord. Cool. So that's kind of where we got up to last week. So now we start continuing to go into this discussion on paying attention to God's greatness, but how does that divvy up? And the first thing that Shaykh brings forward, he said, look, understanding Allah's greatness is a necessary condition to obeying him. Mm -hmm. Which again, I don't think many of us put the right way around. We don't see this uh, recognition of Allah as being critical. We kind of just gloss over it. Takbirat al-Ihram, then we focus on the surahs. Not Mm -hmm. saying that they're to be undermined. But then Allahu Akbar, we focus on ruku. Allahu Akbar, we focus on qiyam again. We focus on Mm -hmm. sujood. We don't pause to think this link of God's greatness, this constant reminder of God's greatness. Why is that? so pivotal to us and the Mm. answer is it's a necessary condition to obeying god Mm. so he asked the question why should god's greatness be engraved in our hearts what is the whole point what is the value that it gives us and he cites that look we won't obey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his commands in the correct way until that greatness is imprinted on our hearts until i truly realize how great this creator is I will not completely be obedient to him, right? So if I don't appreciate the greatness of the commander in my army, when he gives me 60% of the commands, I'll listen, right? Mm. 20% of them, I'll be like, hmm, not sure. And the other 20, maybe I'll just be like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's a natural effect of respect, right? Yes. Yeah. Which he, he uses the word uh, polite a lot when we come, when we come later in the chapter, in, in, in chapter two. But I think it may be synonymous for respect. Mm. That you need to have this respect for your Lord. Mm. Um, you need to treat the prayer politely or respectfully. And by doing so, by honouring it, then you start to go, yeah, you know what? This does have a paramount importance. It's not just a fleeting thing mm. or concept. Um, so again, why is it so important that this greatness of Allah is imprinted on our hearts? Well, if we're in a bad mood and that greatness is not imprinted on our hearts, it would be very easy for us to go, yeah, I'm not going to fancy praying today. Mm. But if I'm in a bad mood and the greatness of Allah is imprinted on my heart, I'd be like, well, to hell with my bad mood. It's very, very, it's it's nothing compared to the greatness that my heart has realised as to what this creator is. And again, an analogy to understand it, inshallah, we will have positive relationships with our mothers, right? And Mm. And our fathers as well. But let's take the mother example. If you've, yeah, for example, like us, we've left home, we're married, we have a family. Naturally, that distance that we used to have to our mothers has appeared because we're physically not as close mm. to them, right? Emotionally, mm. inshallah, we're as close. But if we've come back from a tough day, a stressful day at work or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is, and it's 1 a.m. and your mum calls you, you are picking up, mm. right? It doesn't matter what, right? As long as you've got your phone on loud, which Mm. maybe is the premise. Especially Um, at 1am. Especially at (laughs) 1am. What is happening? What is going on? (laughs) Exactly. And you do that because you recognize the greatness and the status of your mother, right? Her command comes in and says, I need your help. You're not even thinking twice. 
you're there. Mm. But if you're mate, if I call you, but I was like, listen, mate, it's 1 a.m. <laughs> give, oh, really? give me a minute. Like, right? I've just put my kid to bed. And exactly. Now you want to do this? <laughs> Second kid now I need to look after, right? <laughs> so you recognize this greatness of Allah, and regardless of the mood or state of mind you're in, mm. you obey his commandment. There's no ifs and no buts. And this is a beautiful link that I love that he puts here. He says, we struggle to give up sin because we don't recognize the greatness of the one we're sinning against. Which is very akin to that hadith from Mir al-Mu'mineen where he talks along the lines of, I don't worship Allah uh, out of fear. I don't mm. worship Allah um, in, in pursuit of like the reward. I worship Allah because he's worth it. And again, that's paraphrasing. Mm. Because he rec- he, that, that greatness of Allah is instilled on Amir al-Mu'mineen's heart that he's like, why would I want to do anything except worship this mm. creator? The more I understand about this, the greatness of this creator, the more I wish to worship. And it continues that way. So if God's greatness is engraved in our spirit, it will bring results and blessings. It will bring change. The second theme under this about understanding Allah's greatness is having greatness and recognizing this greatness is a beginning to being loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all want this love of Allah. We all mm. want to be appreciated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Having greatness is a beginning to being loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, understanding this greatness. So in order to reach God's love, we need to go through engraving this greatness on our hearts. And in Shah Ramadan, there's a beautiful example. In the dua, Ya Aliyu, Ya Azim, we start with Aliyu. Azim, the Azama, the greatness, the A'la, the highest. Mm. Then, Ya Ghafoor, Ya Rahim, the forgiver and the merciful. Mm. Right? And again, it's back to that point in prayer when we say we start with Allahu Akbar. We recognize the greatness of Allah. Then, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. So it always starts with now I ascertain the greatness of Allah. Mm. I can then benefit from it. His love and His mercy and His kind, but primarily it's His greatness. And it's interesting because we see that in a lot of du'as and a lot of what we, even in, for example, in the tasbih of Lady Fatima alayhi salam, you start with Allahu Akbar and then you move on to Alhamdulillah and then you move on to SubhanAllah. So it's always about this greatness, right? Um, so we, first, we must first understand the greatness and we want to enjoy the mercy and the forgiveness. And if God forgiven, if, and this, this, is, this is the kind of the why behind it. Why begin with his greatness and then can we benefit from the kindness and the forgiveness? Well, if God forgives us, we'll understand that he's ghafoor, right? It's very simple. It doesn't take much to understand. But what does it take in order to understand his greatness? How much searching does that require for us to go and realize how great Allah is. How much do we need to belittle ourselves, mm. control our ego and so forth to then look up metaphorically to this creator and go, wow, the grandeur of that. I want to worship that. Mm. And that has the knock-on effect in our prayer. I want to bow to this creator because he's so great. And Alhamdulillah, he is for at the same time. Um, Anything coming through just yet? Or is uh, everyone waking up just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's just waking up. No worries. Yeah, okay. No, no uh, thoughts or questions just yet. Cool. We'll keep powering through then. The, the goal is to get to the end of chapter two. Yeah. Because uh, chapter three then starts to get very, very, very powerful and goes to a whole different dimension. So mm. um, some may then ask, and I thought this is quite a cool question. Is it a problem if we love Allah without him being great in our hearts? 
So is it okay for us to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without him actually being great and grand in our heart? Or does it not, does it not matter? And the reply that he comes in says, look, we can get emotional and caught up with the mercy and the kindness, but once it's done, no change has actually happened within us, mm. right? We can go through this realization, uh, we can go through this benefit of Allah being merciful, but we in our own selves haven't changed in order to get there. It comes back to that example we mentioned about our Christian brethren with Christ, that they, uh, some of them, is a generalization, so some of them will be like, well, he died for us. So, and, you know, we can commit whatever sins because he's got our back, right? Mm. He's, that, he, he's died and that's the whole purpose behind him. So similarly, if we just live our lives, yeah, Allah's going to forgive us, no issues, happy days. It's not, we're not going to change. But if we recognize God's greatness, we need to change because we don't want to sin in front of him. We don't want to displease this creator. Mm. We don't want to be distanced from this creator. We want to be as close to this greatness as we can. And similarly, it comes back to this understanding of the greatness of God. When we come to Amir al-Mu'mineen and Abu Fadl for example, people are in love with them, right? Mm. You see the Zawar in Najaf and they're infatuated with Amir al-Mu'mineen, not because this is Amir al-Mu'mineen, yeah. but because they understand who Amir al-Mu'mineen is, what he stands for, the greatness and the might and the bravery and the scholarship of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Mm. That's why we love him, because we understand who he is. The same way with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we want to fall in love with who Allah is, with the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Because, and we have to be honest with ourselves, if we didn't know the greatness of Amir al-Mu'mineen, would we love him as much as we do? I would say no, right? He'd just be another historical figure, like many of the figures that we have. That's it. Mm. And in the same way, if we don't realize the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is infinitely greater, then it's just going to be a creator, like a, a being, a something, yeah. uh, a concept, maybe, nothing yeah. more. There wouldn't be a yearning to connect with him. Exactly. Yeah. To connect, to worship, to appreciate, to mm. go on, so on and so forth. Um, and this is something that Sheikh then warns us very, very, very clearly. And dear viewers, this is something I'll address um, with a bit of context in the back of our heads and we needn't go into too much detail, but I'll just put it here. There is a current push generally, especially within the Shia world, but again, even amongst the Muslims and just amongst humanity generally, that we are falling in love with a loving, forgiving, merciful, non-great God. So we're falling in love with all of these lovey-dovey-dovey, etc. sides, but a non-great God. We don't like to discuss the greatness of God because it starts to make us feel a little bit intimidated. And Sheikh is very clear, look, you cannot fall in love with a non-great God and one that's just loving and kind. You're actually very transactional in that sense, right? If it's just love and kind, you're like, yeah, I'll take from you, Allah. Mm. But you don't respect his greatness. You don't feel, you can't embrace taqwa. You can't be wary of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence. And therefore you're yearning to protect your nafs from doing anything wrong if you only see Allah as merciful. But if you see Allah is great, you're like, okay, well, I don't want to displease this great Lord. I am aware of how present he is, how omnipotent he is, how just he is, rather than, yeah, yeah I'm going to get away with it. It's fine. No issues. Mm. Um, and this is a narrative that's being spread very widely today. It's a very attractive narrative to get drawn towards this 
loving, merciful. Creator. And is it a one directional love then? Because obviously, possibly, right? The, the question then becomes why would you want to disappoint someone that you love? So, mm. you to Allah, and therefore you wouldn't sin because of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, worth the, it's worth the conversation. Yeah, it's worth, and, and it should yeah. be something that's discussed on the dinner table, right? We shouldn't shy away from it. Yeah. I think it's, it comes back to this nervy thought that people get distressed and anxious when they hear that Allah is just. Mm. Like, no, 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 I don't like this. As we said last week, we don't like this like top-down relationship in today's society. Mm. Right, it doesn't sit well with us. Allah is top, you are down. It, there's, there's no two ways about it, right? You are the creation mm. of the creator. So that's just how the dynamic works. And we need to become comfortable with that. And we'll address why people struggle to get comfortable with that a little bit later. Sure. Um, but to, to spoil the party a little bit, it's due to our own arrogance and our inability to be humble. Mm. Um, why do you always want to seek a match up with someone? It's because you don't like to be below. But if you realize the greatness of God and that he created you, you'd have no issue with submitting your head before and being like, what am I compared to you? Mm. I shouldn't even compare myself in the same breath as you, right? Yeah. Um, cool. So again, we're still powering through this, paying attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness. So the fourth point in this that he says is, paying attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness is necessary for then understanding his kindness. So if you are attracted to this kindness and mercy and love of Allah, primarily you need to truly understand his greatness in order to maximize and understand your and to maximize your understanding of his kindness so we can talk all we want about his kindness but if that's all god has we won't become good we won't change we'll just chill and do whatever as we've mentioned a few times mm -hmm. and in the 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 common trend that we'll see is that people will take ayahs from the quran no, look, it says Allah loves these people. This is beautiful. And it is. But when we read around the verses, as we're always told to do, look at the context, mm. sometimes we find the opposite side, which is that if you annoy Allah, you're not in a good place. Mm. But we don't talk about that because, again, it brings fear to us, right? And yeah. a very popular ayah of Quran comes from Surah Al-Ghafir in Surah number 40, verse 60. Ad'uni astajib lakum, right? Call upon me. And I'll answer you. And we're all like, yeah. How many times do we that? We see canvases, call me and I'll answer you, right? Mm. We love this verse. But what about the rest of the ayah? And if you have a look, Surely those who are too proud for my service shall soon enter hell above. But we're focused on Call me and I'll answer you. So be like, yeah, Allah, I've been sat here this whole time calling you. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. And in the background, I'm disrespecting you like crazy. And then I come back and I'm like, hey, you didn't sort me out. What's going on, right? And it comes back to that transaction. But he's saying, look, if you're too proud for my service, if you're too proud to worship me, if your ego is so mighty, that you think it's greater than the one that creates you and that takes and gives life in the click of a finger in the blink of an eye, hell's your destination. Mm. Oh, but Allah, save me from the hellfire. Yeah, but if you're not looking after your day today, then what hope do you have, right? Yeah. So again, we, we don't want to come out here and be the kind of like a, a religious police. We're like, hey, if you don't do this, then you're going to hell and whatever. But we do need to have a bit of an adult recognition mm. that uh, 
it's not a give or take thing with Allah. It, it, it is very much a, we, we, we submit to him. We submit and submit and submit. And by doing so, we recognize his greatness. By recognizing his greatness, we humble ourselves mm. and we worship him. And if Allah gives, he gives. But he's yeah. given us so much that we can't even count it. So don't come with your shopping list. And yeah. And it's for our betterment anyway. Absolutely. This submission. As in, there's, I know it may seem counterintuitive. That, oh, I'm, I'm giving up everything about me. He created you in the mm. first place. So the more you submit to his will, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the better it is for you. You, you say it may seem counterintuitive. Why do you think people may see it as counterintuitive? Because of the ego and the bid to become a person, the bid to recognize one's own sort of grandeur. Might, and yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so the idea of submitting to someone in this day and age especially, but it's, it's happened across the generations. I'm not yeah, saying it's, sure. a, it's a modern day problem. Thrall is like... But the idea the... of I need, I'm going to submit my whole being to someone, it's a difficult pill to swallow. Mm. But we can only imagine it on a human level, mm. which is where we go wrong. Yes. Yes. This is on a level that's beyond human by like an infinite capacity. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's probably what needs to be realized more and more. It's like, it's, it's the whole thing of comparing, what's the phrase? Apples and... Oranges. Oranges? I was yeah. going to go for pears, but I wasn't. I think that's slang for stairs. Oh, right. <laughs> Cockney rhyming slang. There we yeah. go. Apples and pears, stairs. <laughs> wow. Spot You've on. been eating too long, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it shows I take food intake, fruit intake very seriously. Obviously, of course. Five a day, guys. So, <laughs> we're we advocates of five a day. <laughs> so we've got apples and oranges, but even apples and pears. I'm yeah, sure the, 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 the thing stays the same, right? We're kind of almost exactly the same. We're kind of treating ourselves as an apple and Allah as a pear or an orange. And we're like, yeah, I can't really differentiate between the two. Like, no, no, no. Mm. You can't compare yourself to God. It is not possible. Which is why you start by saying Allahu Akbar. Greater. And again, you know, purest. Uh, uh, um, uh, what, what do they call them? Uh, le lexographers. The guys who specialize in language. Oh. Lex lexographers. I just thought that was linguists. But... There's a... Oh, the viewers will correct me and laugh at me because <laughs> apples and oranges and pears and all sorts. Sure. Those who are very passionate about the Arabic language and purists in it will say like the translation of Allahu Akbar is not just God is greater than this or greater than that because it connotes it cannot the greatness cannot be compared. Mm. Right? It doesn't let you compare it to something else. Um, so you can't compare us versus them. So exactly to your point, we need to get over that. We're just as Amir al-Mu'mineen describes, I think, like, uh, you know, we're, we're just a drop. That's it. Covered with a bit of clay. Mm. Done. Finished. That's it. Yeah. And we'll go back and we'll turn into bones and mm -hmm. that's the end of us. Allah is infinite. So I think it's, it's a very powerful one because, again, Adoronius the Jiblakum is, a, is, a, is an ayah that we all use and, you know, it's, it's a very inspiring and loving and kind ayah, but we need to remember what comes around it, which is be wary that if you're not even going to lower your ego, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't work, right? Mm. The, the, the relationship doesn't work. Um, so loving Allah starts from seeing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's position. And then he asks, and he says, look, well, which types of people will actually go and meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So we can say, as the Jibla, come all we like, call me and I'll answer you. 
but which sort of people does Allah want an audience with? Right? And the answer is in Surah Al-Naziyat 79, ayah number 40. Khaf is the most important bit here. And as for him who fears to stand in the presence of his Lord. You wouldn't fear someone if they're 24-7 loving. Right? If I'm like, oh, good to see you again, Muhammad. Here's another curry. Here's another this. Here's mm. another that. Here's another. You're not going to fear me. Right? Mm. But even with our parents, there was a line of discipline that they would have. That at points we'd be like, okay, I'm going to fear them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a bit scary. Mm. And it puts us in line. But in the same way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Naziyat, and as for him who fears to stand in the presence of his Lord, these are those that will be in the presence of Allah. They will be in the presence and they will fear to even be in that context. Mm. Hence, again, we said the peak of prayer. We look to the awliya of Allah, Amirul Mu'mineen, Imam Sajjad, Nabi Al-A'adham Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa All of these individuals, they would be panicked, scared, right? We're not going to get there overnight, but mm. that's where they get to when they are then stood in the presence of this creator of theirs. They're just... Shaking, trembling, right? Mm. But we're like, yeah, chilling. Hey, Allah, how's it going? Adwani has the jibbukum. Yeah, give me this one. We've made the point. Mm. Um, so we shouldn't just walk past Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with no interest or rudely, as Agha puts it, which is quite a compelling and damning way for us to assess when I pray. Am I being rude? Am I uh, insulting in the way that I pray? Mm. So similarly, don't just offer your prayer and then don't ask anything of Allah thereafter. So once you've recognized his greatness mm. and you've been trembling, now you can put your hands out as the poor one, as the needy one to Allah. So again, you see the arrogance switch here, right? Mm. If you turn up to the prayer mat with your shopping list versus the one that comes and trembles and then raises his hands out of grace, out of um, needfulness towards the grace of Allah, you are needy unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he'll give. That's where that mercy from Allah comes, right? If he sees you trembling, if your mother sees you trembling, and then you say, Mom, please, just one more biryani. She <laughs> will cook it like you've never eaten that yeah. one before in wow. your life, right? Best one, but if yeah. you come arrogantly back from work, like, hey, Mom, why is the biryani not made? Like, off you go, mate. You're not, you're not getting anything. <laughs> Have apples and oranges <laughs> and pears. <you> know? <laughs> um, so in the same way, go yeah. trembling. And then... Don't leave, right? Mm. Your mother wouldn't want you to tremble in front of her and then just leave empty-handed. She'd want to give to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you trembling. He's like, hey, then tell me what you want, mm. right? So then ask Allah. And imagine how rude it would be you just get up and leave at that point. And this is the link. I think a lot of us jump to, if you say like, pray at stage one, stage two is trembling, stage three is asking. Mm. A lot of us go stage one, jump to stage three, forget stage two. Yeah, and I think that process in a way opens up your soul yeah. to actually receive the bounties. Whereas if you skip steps, then you don't receive what you ought to be asking for because yeah. you haven't prepped your soul for it. It's just like a warm-up, warm-down, whatever. And, and you will not recognize the mercy that he's already given you. Yeah. Mm. Right? Um, I, I forget which philosopher it is. I want to say Mullah Sadra, but I could be incorrect. He, he talks about this concept that when you go to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will never be able to thank him enough, right? So even if you counted everything 
and you wrote down every single blessing he has given you up until that point where you're about to go and thank him. And you're like, Allah, like control A, control C, control V. Here is the list, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hmm. Even in that moment, you won't have thanked him enough. Why? Because when a child looks at a candle flame, they just see one single flame, right? One single flame at the top of that candle. When you and I, when we've been taught that a candle flickers on and off and on and off and on and off at crazy speeds, right? The candle ignites and stops and ignites and stops. That candle is being given and then retracting, then given and then comes back and then given. So similarly, even whilst I'm in that same breath of saying shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's giving me the life and giving me the life again and giving me life again. So even whilst I'm saying thank you, I've not thanked him for the four breaths or four heartbeats that he's given me in that moment in time. So we'll never thank him enough, right? And even at that, even if we did say thank you, it wouldn't be sufficient for what he's actually given us. Mm. So we can never do that um, enough. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do we get to? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is at this point, or sorry, um, Shaykh is saying with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tremble, then don't just get up and leave, right? Ask for your hajat at that point. Ask for what you need. And the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is reported to say, about a person who doesn't read the recommended supplications after the prayer and doesn't ask God for anything, God tells his angels, oh my angels, look at my servant. He carried out my command, but didn't ask me for anything. It's as if he has no need of me. Take his prayer and strike him in his face with it. Oh my God. Imagine, <laughs> right? So wow, if you have yeah. the arrogance to then just stroll off, you've got, you've got the audience with the unlimited. Why would you not then ask? I need to make some serious improvements. Yeah, you and I life. both, man. Wow, we... <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That, that's really the point is. we want to reach, right? We don't want to reach, hey, go to Allah and ask for what you need and he'll forgive you. That's not very inspiring. When you go the other way around and you're trembling and then you get to this point where he's saying, why would you walk away from the greatness of what you were just in front of and not want to take from it? Mm. That's, that's greatness acknowledgement first, kindness second. That's mm. the angle, right? Mm. The door's been opened and then you've done all you can to open it. And then you're like, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah wow. And then similarly with the, the original where we go in just asking, it's like going to that door, the door's shut, and we're just knocking and then walking off. Mm. I know you've got to try. You've got to try and open that door. And I know what my next week's homework, homework assignment's going to be now. How would you summarize it? It would just be to be conscious of the fact that the effort needs to be made in your namaz to open that door. And then stick around, even for 10 minutes, to benefit from mm. that door being opened. And, I'll, and asking Allah for forgiveness and for blessings. Because mm. I don't want my prayer to be slapped across my oh, face. Oh wow, it's, it's, quite, it's quite like a it's tough very, one to see, uh, isn't it's it? It's very powerful. And that's the Prophet, you know? That's, that's, yeah. that's the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly, you know? The Prophet doesn't... As we see in the Quran, he doesn't act out of his own desire. It's all mm. from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he's saying stuff like that, you're like, whoa, this is, yeah. this is deep. It's heavy. Um, Very heavy. Fifthly, in this critical nature of understanding Allah's greatness, is that fearing Allah is the result of believing in his greatness. 
Fearing Allah is the result of believing in his greatness. So the process is what? Firstly, we believe in Allah's greatness, right? We recognize uh, theoretically that this creator is great and infinite and so forth. Secondly, we let this greatness enter into our heart, imprint onto our heart. Thirdly, as a result of this greatness and we just, we, we start to recognize how great this and grand this creator is, we only will obey the command out of fear. We wouldn't want to do anything except obey, right? The head teacher's now got you in the room. You ain't going to do anything. You're fear, fear time, right? Similarly, you're now at this moment where that, that intensity is imprinted on your heart. You obey Allah out of fear. And fourthly then, Allah gradually will, um, fearing, sorry, gradually then, fearing Allah will become engraved on your heart as well. And that fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shaykh puts this, and it's not quite clicked in my head, but it's really interesting to ponder over. Once that greatness has imprinted on your heart, he says, it becomes sweet and enjoyable for you. The fear is key to having a loving relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? And this is, the, this is the line that just, I was like, wow, okay? Why is the fear so critical in order to have a loving relationship with Allah? Because when Allah's fear enters a servant's heart, so when that individual is there trembling out of fear for the greatness of this Lord, completely needy of support in everything, Allah embraces his dear servant and caresses him like a mother. So you're bare empty, right? You're sweating, you're panicked, you're nervous, you're distressed, you're disheveled. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, this is a servant that is that nervous in front of me. How can I, as a merciful creator, leave him or her to be in that state? Just like a mother. Wow. That's crazy. Like that, that, that link between fear, the greatness, and therefore the fear, and therefore the mercy. Mm. That mercy is so much more attractive, right? Yeah. So you reach a point where you're so fearful of disobeying him that you start trembling and are in a state of desperation. And that's when he sort of maximizes the connection. That's it. Because you're committing to then not displease him yep. as your creator. So I guess that commitment is rewarded adequately. Yeah. Absolutely. Allah is just. Yeah. That, is the, that is the side of justice we want. Mm. Of Allah, right? Yeah. Wow. When that, I think when that clicks, I don't think many of us see the fear of Allah as very attractive again, right? Yeah. It's, it's a very negative thing when we immediately hear it. Mm. But when we hear that journey of recognizing His greatness, that greatness imprinting on our heart, because we now recognize His greatness, we now fear Him and we obey His every word, that fear now imprints on our hearts. So now we're completely at the this makes us feel very nervy, completely at the like mercy of Allah, or like Allah do whatever, like I'm just, you mm. are everything. When he sees you in that desperate state, he's like, I've got you, don't you worry. Mm. Like a mother. A mother like disciplines you, so like, you did this, you did that, did this, did that, and eventually that message gets to you and you're like, oh man, I really messed up. And your mom's like, mm. but it's okay, mm. <laughs> I'm here I'm for here. you. Come yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah, Let wow. me embrace you. Let me look after you. And we know those embraces are the most comforting that we have, right? Yeah. So this, mm. um, 
At that point of fear, Allah places his own love in the servant's heart and makes him or her taste this kindness. And uh, Imam Sadiq is reported to say, Al-Mu'min la yusluhu illa al-khawf. That nothing will correct a believer except fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Recognizing that greatness and your relationship with that greatness. Um, and we've not even covered fearing yet. We're just talking about obeying the commands fearfully at this point, right? That I must adhere to the commands that he has provided us. Mm. And I, I do this because Allah said it, so I'm just going to do it, right? I'm, I'm in that kind of state of fear um, and therefore believing in Allah's greatness. Finally, uh, in this part of the chapter, uh, in, the, in this segment of the chapter, now we've recognized the necessity of paying attention to Allah's greatness and how this has so many beautiful knock-on effects, right? Even though we may not initially put that uh, together, Shaykh zooms in to letting Allah's greatness then enter our hearts. How does that process happen? What does it feel like? What do we go through? What is the benefit of doing that? So we've spoken about it theoretically, but now letting it actually enter our hearts. So how do we do it? First, we said, obey Allah's commands fearfully. Second, is to go and be polite in our prayer. And I think, I think just from the way that I've read it, maybe polite here can be um, uh, replaced with respectful, mm. potentially. So just keep that in mind. So mm. be polite or respectful in your prayer. When prayer is conducted correctly, it shows that we've obeyed Allah's command fearfully, right? Why did we not misrukul deliberately? Because we're kind of worried if we do, then we've gone against the whole point. And, uh, mm. yeah, we're doing it out of fear in a way. Similarly, with whoever you're polite with, with whoever you respect and treat with dignity, they start to hold a greater place in your heart, right? If you were to tell me, uh, go to my car, go get this, etc., etc., and then come back, if I obey you step by step, I'm starting to see you as a person of authority, right? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do it this way, none of it's, oh, but I feel better when you know. Sometimes you don't like praying. So today I'm going to sit and I'm just going to reflect. Reflect, mm. of course, right? That is better than a thousand, uh, is it thousand years of worship? Thousand days of worship? Thousand nights of worship? Mm -hmm. Reflection is huge, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a command here. Mm. Follow it. Because by following that command, I build up this understanding of the greatness of that individual. If I do it respectfully, especially. And there's wisdom behind the command anyway. Beyond Always. your comprehension. Always. So there's no point in saying, oh, but it's better if... No. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're not the creator. Yeah. Right? Um, it's like telling the creator of a complex device that you know better on how that thing works. And you have no idea. You didn't make it. Yeah. Right? Um, so over time, we may learn about Allah's power, right? It won't come immediately. And when we fear Allah's power whilst praying... Allah's greatness will increase in our hearts. The more we have of Allah's greatness in our hearts and fear Allah's power, the more we run towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's calls and commandments. And Amir al-Mu'mineen has this beautiful line in Hajjabalagha in 7193, the greatness of the creator is seated in their hearts. This is when he talks about um, uh, uh, those who have taqwa. The greatness of the creator is seated in their hearts. Therefore, everything else appears small in their eyes. Nothing else compares. Mm. Just the, obey, the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they recognize his greatness. Mm. And 
when we need to try and internalize Allah's greatness and grandeur in our hearts, it's interesting when we look to Surah Al-Zilzal. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ Whosoever has done an atom's weight of good shall see it. Right? So if we do that good, it will be clear as day. No issues. وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ And whoever has done an atom's weight of evil, guess what? You're also going to see it. Mm. And when you... And Shaykh puts this in, it took a bit of time to like just click in my head a little bit. It says so much greatness of Allah and power of Allah is within these two verses in that even if you do the tiniest bit of good, you will see it one day. May not be immediately, but mm. you will see it one day. And even if you do the tiniest bit of evil, you will see it one day. And this comes back to the wings, khawf and raja, of hope and fear. Hope and fear. I'm in hope that Allah will forgive me, but I'm in fear of what if he doesn't. And that keeps mm. me very aligned towards his greatness and his worship rather than one way mm. or the other. On your point of reflection, um, Zaytun Waladin has mentioned that one hour of reflection is equal to 70 years of worship. 70 years of worship, that's the one. Thank you, thank mm. you, that's the one. So we're not underplaying reflection at all here, mm. of course, but we're, we're, we're looking at the specific angle of the obeying Allah out of fear because of his greatness. Yeah. Right? So, letting Allah's greatness enter into our hearts, we now realise it's a very, very important thing that we need to try and make happen, right? This imprint needs to happen. How? Firstly, prayer is the very induction of Allah's greatness and grandeur into our heart. It is a means to make this happen. Mm. If we liked that whole journey of once we're trembling in front of him, in fear of him, then Allah immediately smothers you in his mercy and love. If we like that journey and we want to experience that, then we need to let this greatness enter into our hearts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then we mm. fear him in such a manner. And the first adjective that we need to internalize is Allahu Akbar. Mm. It's critical. And the more we obey these commands in our prayer, the more we're going towards recognizing Allah's greatness and his commands. Why is it so important? And this is huge. And it comes back to what we mentioned at the top of the, uh, top of the session. Why do people find it so difficult to uh, connect and recognize the greatness of Allah and therefore it prevents them from going through this journey and benefiting from this immense mercy and encapsulating mercy? It's because at the core, we struggle to recognize Allah as being great. Why do we struggle to recognize Allah as being great? Because we imagine ourselves to be great. And we just don't want to let go of it. Mm. We do not want to let go of it. We don't feel that we're small in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We turn up to that prayer mat. Like, full of this, look at me, look at what I have. Oh, look, my family's with me praying next to me. Look how slow I am. It's all about me, me, me. Mm. That prevents us from letting Allah's greatness reach our heart. Because guess whose greatness is in our heart at that point? Ourselves. Mm. Allah is just like a peripheral thing in the background. And if we can't change that, we can't let Allah's greatness imprint on our heart. If we can't change that, and therefore we can't get Allah's greatness imprinted on our hearts, we can't receive, we can't then tremble in front of Him and by recognizing His greatness, and therefore we can't receive that all-encapsulating mercy that He'd want to give to us. 
And it all starts from that ego trip that I think I'm great. I think I'm awesome. I think mm. I'm this. Allah is just like a enabler. Mm. That's it. Like Allah is everything. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a byproduct. Um, so at the core, we imagine ourselves to be great. We don't feel that we're small in front of Allah and it's critical, correct? If we don't correct this, then Shaykh says, look, call it quits. All your efforts to communicate with Allah will be fruitless. No oranges or apples or pears. <laughs> You're done for, right? Empty. Yeah, nothing, right? No useful relationship will be formed. Mm. If you... And I think we feel that, you know, in, in Shah Ramadan, you, you go through this like beating, I find almost, the fasting every day and the tiredness. I think it's the tiredness that gets most people right. And by like night 20, you're like falling asleep at work, almost always. Hopefully our bosses aren't listening, you know, <laughs> keeping track, right? But you're knackered. And it's almost like you've gone through this physical beating as if we needed it, but we do, mm. to humble ourselves, to then attach into why on earth am I doing this again? Fear, commandment for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then when these a'mal nights come, for some reason we kind of have this slightly different spiritual ascension compared mm. to most parts of the year. And maybe it's because at that point we've just realised I'm so weak. I ain't got anything left in me. Like I'm mm. done, you know. I can't even keep my eyes open. I'm nothing. And it humbles us to a point where then when we recite this time, like, you know what, Allah? You are great. Ya Ali, ya Azim. And then we recognize that, like, you know what, yeah, ya rahim. you know what, please, like, the forgiver, like, please just help me out. Mm. But then as soon as Eid al Fitr comes, we're like, no, no, look at my banquet, guys. I've turned up to mosque with my amazing car. I won't mention which type of cars we're talking about, you know, and it's back to flashy, flashy, me, me, me. Eid Namaz is just who's got the strongest perfume in the hall. That's usually my issue, um, <laughs> you know, and all this kind of stuff kicks off, right? And we're, we're back to square once. If we don't correct mm. this, inability of ourselves to recognize that we're tiny in front of Allah, we're insignificant, mm. it's fruitless. No affection between us and Allah, no prayer accepted, nothing received. Call it quits. Mm. There's no point. Because um, what are you doing it for really then? That's it. Mm. Self-centric prayer, not a God-centric prayer. Yeah. Right? And Lady Fatima, this line is beautiful, right? So how do we remove this arrogance? And she comes out with this line and it's incredible. She's reported to say, فَرَضَ اللَّهُ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْزِيهًا عَنِ الْكِبْرِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the ritual players obligatory so that a person may be purified from arrogance. So these ritual prayers reminding ourselves, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, whatever you're doing, it's annoying in your day, go and pray, go and do wudu, oh, it's cold, all etc, etc, go wake up in the middle of the night. It's to remove and eat away. And I think we mentioned this two weeks ago when we were in the studio at that time. It's digging in to get rid of all that dirt around our soul. You think you're something? Guess what? Your God's calling you. Mm. You're going to prioritize that over that? Good luck. Mm. It stops us in our tracks throughout a day where as fickle as humans as we are, we need five reminders in the day. Every four hours, you could argue, every six hours, we need a reminder from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say, hey, you're nothing. <laughs> Come and for your own benefit, come back. Come mm. back to what you actually are, right? Mm. Um, interesting observation that Sheikh shares, which is that the rules of Salah have been designed in a repetitive way. 
again, so that we recognize Allah's greatness and grandeur. We humble ourselves before Allah. We're regularly repeating Allahu Akbar. Subhana Rabbi al-Azimi wa bihamdi. Subhana Rabbi al-Ala wa bihamdi. The greatness, the greatness, the greatness, the glory to the great, the most great, the most high, etc., hmm. etc. Et and this again points towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness and grandeur. And we say these lines, and whilst doing so, we prostrate. We prostrate to nothing else in the world. We're testifying again that I bow towards the greatness and grandeur. It's as if prayer is nothing other than the induction and the introduction and the continuation of understanding and remind for ourselves that God is great and grand. And I want that to be cemented into my, into my heart. Because if I unlock that and if I recognize how insignificant I am and how dependent I am on him, exactly as we did in the past, all of our other actions will follow in suit. So this is like the drill, football mm. style, right? These are your drills that you do every single day mm. so that everything else becomes fruitful rather than fruitless. Um, we have a few minutes left uh, and maybe this is like a nice point to conclude on. Um, it means we don't get through chapter two no matter how hard mm. we've tried today. But this as like a, and again, I'll read this out and then we'll come to your initial reaction, right? This is a letter um, from Imam al-Rida uh, to his companion about his about the reasons for praying. So Imam Rabbah was asked about why, why should we pray, and he replies with this letter. And I think as a nice point of conclusion for session one, two, and three, and four, this captures it, right? The words of the Imam, and again, the representative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fil ard, this is what he comes out with, and it's awesome. Prayer is confessing to the lordship of the mighty and glorious God. Negating any partner for him and standing in front of the omnipotent God, whose glory is great, humbly, in poverty, with humility, confessing to his greatness, repenting for previous sins and putting our forehead on dust five times a day to respect the almighty and glorious God. Prayer causes a person to remember God, not to forget him, not to be ungrateful, be humble and to be in pursuit of increasing one's religion and this world. In addition, prayer prevents a person from sinning and helps him to remember the mighty and glorious God day and night so that he won't forget his master, the one who plans and his creator. Furthermore, he won't become rebellious and disobedient. When a servant remembers his Lord and stands in front of God, this prevents him from sinning and from any corruption. What's your initial reaction to that? It's a fantastic conditioning mechanism to mm. help you live your everyday, as well as, I think you mentioned it in the second episode. Mm -hmm of maintaining your soul and nourishing your soul because he mentions here that it causes a person to remember God not forget him not be ungrateful mm. and to be humble so all of those things sort of replenish the soul right humility mm -hmm. remembrance of Allah that's what nourishes the soul and it stops you from being arrogant it stops you from doing all the things that you would corrupt your soul with and essentially create the rust within mm. yourself 
So from what I gather from it, it's a fantastic way of performing routine maintenance on your soul, but also to keep it oiled and primed to connect Absolutely. with Allah. Absolutely. What I find incredible about this, and I, everything you've just said is exactly what's going through my head, it's those drills, it's the repetitive nature, it keeps it clean. What I find incredible about this is that there's no mention here from Muhammad Rada about reaching the most spiritual heights and journeying towards the best of the best. It's really fundamental. It's really about humbling yourself, recognizing the greatness of God, steering away from the haram, going towards the obligations. It's almost like the basic of the basic of the basic. It keeps you in line, as Muhammad Jawad said, it keeps you well drilled, it keeps you oiled, keeps your soul pure, so that your other acts, your mustahab acts, can add and propel you and trampoline you towards even greater heights. But at the core of it, this is the essence. You have a creator that is great. You have a creator that created you. You and I nothing. You have a creator that deserves to be of worship, that we'll never be able to worship or thank enough. You have a creator who's given you some commands. He's great. That imprints on our heart. His greatness imprints and therefore we have a little bit of fear inside of us. And that fear drives us towards obeying his command. And as we shake and quiver in front of this great Lord, and he recognizes it and he sees it, he wants us to extend our hands as the needy ones to him and then ask for what we need. And just like as a mother would never let their child go if they're in a sad state, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never let his creation if in a sincere manner they ask in a trembling voice whilst they're in prayer. So dear viewers, inshallah, you can introduce this into your prayers over the next week. And we look forward to seeing you again for session number five, where we'll try and conclude on session on chapter two and inshallah begin our journey into chapter three, which looks at the first step, a polite prayer. Inshallah, we'll see you then. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.